Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we've been looking at the new reality for the last couple of months here, and so this week and next week we're going to finish it up before we move on to Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 and really talk about God's sovereignty a little bit, about the God who is in control. But what we're going to look at today is the whole issue of the life that you and I have as we continue to look at this section of Scripture in Romans, the life that you and I have in Christ now, because so many of us operate under this concept that salvation is for later on, that I got saved, that takes care of heaven, I'm okay. But the reality is is that our salvation is for now, right now, in our lives right now, and there's a role that the Holy Spirit has in our life right now. And even in our lives, as we live our lives now, our lives are lived for a purpose And that purpose is for later on. See, what I want every one of you to understand is, as we go through this lesson, is is that you right now are preparing for later on. Your life now is a preparation process for later on, when you go to be with Jesus. That'll change your whole focus of the way you live your life now, isn't it? Okay, but can I be honest with you? Sadly, the problem is is that in our North American culture, we're not thinking in terms of later on. We're thinking in terms of now. Oh, I need to replace the flooring in the bathroom. Hmm. Well, the backyard would look, look really nice with a new garden. I don't like the way the air conditioner works in my vehicle. I'm looking forward to a new vehicle. And we think in terms of now, what we want now. And if you were to ask ourselves, and if you ask me, or if I asked you, so how much did you think about later on yesterday? We wouldn't even have to think about it. We would say, I didn't think about it at all. How much did you think about today? Well, we spend all our time thinking about today. How much did you think about what you want out of this life? And we think a lot about that. But if you were to say, how much do you think about what you want later on? The reality is we don't think about that. But what we've got to understand is that as believers, we need to quit living our lives like everybody else. Because everybody else, that's where their focus is, because that's all they have is right now, isn't it? We need to recognize that I was saved for a purpose to live my life now in preparation for what? What's coming. What's coming. And so I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at verses 18 through 30 today. And talk about the whole issue of preparing for the future. That's what we're here for. We're to prepare for the future. And when we get that in focus, then other things will get in focus. And we'll talk about some of those other things here in a moment. So I want you to notice with me verse 18, chapter 8. Notice what he says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of the corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But we hope for that which we do not see. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. We're going to take this passage of Scripture and really break it down into two sections. We're going to talk about our present longing, We're going to talk about the present longing that you and I as believers should have for the next life. Not for here, not for a big raise, or not for all the goody stuff that we can get, but for later on. For later on. We're going to talk about our present longing. And then we're going to talk about, as Paul mentions here, the sustaining work of the Spirit, the Spirit's sustaining work until we go to be with Him. See, the Holy Spirit has a role in our lives right now as we wait to go to Him. And so we're going to look at both of those issues today. So first of all, I want you to notice with me our present longing. Look with me at verse 18 and notice what he says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. The first aspect of that present longing is this. Our present sufferings are only momentary. Our present sufferings are only momentary. I'm going to burst some bubbles here this morning, and I really need to. Some of you here may be operating in an illusion that your life needs to be perfect, pain-free, and that when you experience difficulties, when you experience hardship, when you experience pain, we operate under the assumption that as a Christian, I shouldn't be going through this. I shouldn't be experiencing this. But my friends, I'm going to burst your bubble here and just tell you the reality. The reality is, is we live in a cruel world. We live in a world that's marked by sin. And we live in a world in which human beings will suffer. We live in a world in which human beings will get sick. We live in a world in which human beings do evil things towards each other. We live in that kind of world. Do you you understand me? So when you face the stuff that you face, or when the doctor says to you, I'm sorry, but you now have this, or when you get a phone call and someone says on the other end, I have some bad news to tell you about this loved one, or when someone betrays you, or when someone hurts you, or or even the most difficult circumstances, or a bill shows up in the mailbox that you weren't expecting, It's not God's fault. It's the nature of the world in which we live in. 
And we need to wake up to the reality that we don't live in a nice world. And that's the reality in which we live in. But Paul says to us, when we think about our longing for the future, when we think about our present longing for Jesus, he says that our present sufferings are what? Only momentary. Only momentary. See, the Bible says to you over and over that you're going to suffer, that suffering is a part of your life. Jesus said that we would bear a cross. And he wasn't talking about a piece of jewelry. He was talking about an instrument of torture. And he really called you to take up your cross and follow him. Hardship was to be a part of our lives. But what it does tell you is that while it is a part of your life, it continually tells you it's only for the moment. It's only for the moment. It's only for the moment. Endure, saints. Persevere. In fact, that's the whole point of the book of Revelation. Revelation is not just a pointing to the future of what will happen in the future. An underlying theme throughout the book of Revelation is an encouragement to believers to what? Persevere. 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 Endure. It's only for the moment. Only for the moment. And so when he looks here in verse 18, he says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. It's not worthy. You think, right now, you think about your problem, it's big. All you can think about is your problem. How big it is. Oh, it's huge. But Paul says in verse 18, what does he say? It doesn't even compare to the glory that's to come. Why do you think in Revelation, John was told to write... Revelation 21, when it talks about when we will be with Jesus, that it says that he will wipe away every tear. Why? Because there won't be any more suffering. There won't be any more hardships. There won't be. Hey, let me just be honest with you. I've I, I got to be honest. A lot of the stuff that we seek after in life is to comfort us from the pain. But let's just be honest, isn't it? A lot of the stuff that we seek after in life, you talk to counselors, they'll tell you, the stuff that people get involved with, why they do what they do, is to what? Bring comfort to the midst of pain. But the problem is it doesn't bring comfort. It just makes you more empty. And see, our whole focus, because we're like everybody else in our world around us, we're so focused on now and doing, oh, if I only got, if I only got the big one. Okay, so you get the big one. Next year you've got to have a bigger one. It doesn't bring comfort. It doesn't bring the comfort. See, our present sufferings are only momentary. He goes on then and tells us in verse 19 through 21 that all of creation longs for the future blessing. All of creation longs for the future blessing. Do you realize that when sin entered into this world, sin did not just affect Adam and Eve, and it didn't just affect you and I. It affected our whole world. It affected creation from animals to the planet itself. And the Bible says that the planet itself is longing for the future blessing when Jesus will come and restore everything. It's not just you longing for it. It's the planet longing for it. When God and His redemptive grace will restore everything. So then when you look in the Old Testament, it says wonderful things like this, that a child will be able to put his hand into the den of a poisonous snake and not be able to worry about it. A lion will lay down with a lamb and not be lunch. And the little children will play with them. That's what's coming. And even creation longs for that. 
Creation longs for that. And then verse 22 and 23, he tells us that believers eagerly wait for the coming glory. Believers eagerly wait for the coming glory. Notice what he says. Look, He says this about our hope. Notice what he says here. Verse 22 and 23, he says this. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we even ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. We eagerly wait for the coming glory. You know, as you get older, you ever notice it gets harder to get out of bed in the morning? When you set your feet, you turn, you know, you sit up in your bed and you put your feet on the floor and kind of want to, it's getting up and joints aren't working the way they used to. Muscles aren't stretching the way they used to or they've tightened it. Oh, I got a cramp! Honey, I got a cramp! She comes with a Bengay or whatever. Your bodies are longing for something new. We're all getting older, aren't we? We're all getting older. And believers are eagerly waiting for the coming glory. And it's not just that. Look, listen, we'll talk about it not just from a physical sense, but how about from a spiritual sense. Every one of you here, including myself, we struggle with things in our life, don't we? We struggle with sin issues. And we want victory. And we we long for the victory. We long for, oh Jesus, will you come back and help me? Lord, help me in this area. Help me to overcome. Help me to find victory. And we long for the day when we will no longer struggle with sin. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. That believers eagerly wait for the coming glory. You know, let's be honest. If we're if we're really real with each other, and I'll be real with you for a moment, we fear death. We fear it. I'll I'll be honest with you. I, I used to when I was younger, I could get on an airplane, flew to Africa, flew to Germany. Doesn't matter. Fly. Now I don't know what's wrong with me, but but I'm sitting there and I'm praying. God, get me off the ground and back on the ground. Okay. Lord, I commit myself into your hand. Why? Because I'm getting older. Getting older. But you know what? I'm embarrassed by that. Why? Because I know what awaits. And believers should long for that which comes. And so verse 24 and 25, he tells us it's the basis of our hope. Look what he says. For we were saved in this hope, but our hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope in what he sees? But we hope for what we do not see. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. It's the basis of our hope. Can I be honest with you? I think we need to get our focus back in the right direction. Now, I might make a statement here that might irritate some of you, but I'm sorry if I do, but I need to make it. Your hope isn't winning the lottery. And that's why you buy it. You think, well, maybe this is the ticket. Are you hoping in a promotion? Just as easily as they give you a promotion, they'll give you a pink slip. Our hope is not in the temporal because the temporal is only momentary. Our hope is in that which we have not seen. That's where true hope is. That's what we persevere for. That's our present longing is what is to come because we know that what is to come is far better than this life in which we live in. But the problem is, let's be honest, we've gotten too comfortable with living here. We've gotten too comfortable. You know, I got to spend five days with Pastor Sabian. Uh, we were talking about different things. And, you know, he comes from Haiti, the poorest country in our hemisphere. And uh, we got to talking about how Americans always ask God to bless them. And you know what his response was? 
as he looked at everything we have. In fact, the response came when I was with him at a Ryan's restaurant. You know, the big buffet? Big buffet. Could it be a Ponderosa or a Hosses or whatever. And he looked over and he saw a couple get up from their table and they left their plates half full. And the lady came by and raked it off into a garbage bin. And he looked at me and he said, God has already blessed you. In Haiti, that wouldn't even be there. We're too comfortable here. And you know what? The sufferings just remind us not to be comfortable. Our hope is for something else. But Paul goes on and he tells us that the Spirit has a sustaining work for us here in verse 26 through 30. Look with me, first of all, about what the Spirit does on our behalf with regards to prayer. Look with us, verse 26 and 27. He says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Here's the first part of the Spirit's sustaining work in our lives. The Spirit prays on our behalf. The Spirit prays on our behalf. You ever get to the place where you're praying and you don't even know how to pray anymore? You're facing a situation and you don't even know how to pray for that situation? You ever been there? I've been there a lot. My friends, it's at that moment the Spirit prays for you. It's at that moment that the Spirit intercedes on your behalf. And I think it's especially true, especially in light of what we're talking about here, because, you know, our focus can get all wrong. We can get so wrapped up in the world in which we live in when we, sh- when we should be looking forward to what is coming. But the Spirit's sustaining work in our life is that He prays for us. Lord, help them. Their focus is not right. Help them to get back into focus and and get their eyes back where it needs to be. He intercedes on our behalf. Because the Holy Spirit, remember, He's right there with you. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, He lives right within you. He is right there. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows better than anyone because He's God and so He intercedes on your behalf. He prays for you. My friends, when you don't know how to pray, you need to ask him. This happened to me, I think, just two weeks ago. I had a friend, pastor friend from out of the community talk to me and tell me about a situation that he was facing. And, and he said, I want you to pray for that individual i got to deal with. And I said, okay, I'll pray. That night I went to bed. I couldn't sleep. And Lori hates those kind of nights because I'm just tossing and turning. The blankets are ruffling and fruffling and, and you know, she's getting irritated because I'm like, can't you go to bed? And, and, I, and I can't go to sleep. I, I don't know what's going on to me. And so I'm struggling. I went to bed at 10, 12 o'clock. I'm tossing and turning. Get up. Get a drink of water. Just go back to bed. And, and then finally at 2 o'clock in the morning, I thought to myself, Lord, maybe you're trying to tell me I need to pray. Lord, I don't know who to pray for. So I start praying, Lord, whoever's in a situation right now, help them out. And, you know, just kind of praying in general. And then finally it just dawned on me, Holy Spirit, I don't know how to pray. You tell me how to pray. And at that moment, my mind went back to my friend's prayer request. And I prayed. And I went to sleep. See, the Spirit intercedes for us. He helps us when we don't know how to pray. That's His sustaining work. You ever get in a situation where you don't know how to pray? Talk to Him. He'll tell you how. He'll tell you how. And then notice something. Verse 28. We quote this verse all the time. But I want you to notice what he's saying here. Look with me at verse 28. A lot of you will quote this. 
And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Here's the next point. The sustaining work of the Spirit. Right now, in this life, as we long for what's coming, notice what it says. The Spirit uses all things for our good. The Spirit uses all things for our good. You and I, we can't see why a problem would be good for us, do we? If we had to plan out our life, it would just be roses from here on out. But you know what? With roses, you also have what? Thorns. We don't see the reason for the thorns. We just want the rose. But the Spirit understands that in order for your life to have good in your life, you've got to endure both the good and the bad. And so even though you might have gone through terrible things, God can take those things and use them for the good to your life. See, that's the work of the Spirit. He takes the situations that we face, He takes the circumstances, the difficulties, the trials that we go through, and He takes those things and He works them for our good. Now let me just stop for a moment because some people will mistakenly use this as a promise as there will be a good outcome of every problem right now. That's not what this passage is saying. The good he's talking about is the future coming that's to come. It's not that something wonderful will happen now. It can. Don't get me wrong. It can. But that's not what he's saying. He's talking about what we were called for. He takes all that we endure because what we're in a preparation process for what? Later on. He uses all the experiences, good and bad in our life, for our good with reference to what? Later on, when we go to be with Jesus. And that's the work of the Spirit. But then verse 29 and 30, he tells us the sustaining work of the Spirit is this. It is according to God's plan. It is according to God's plan. Notice what he says there. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. It's according to God's plan. Listen, you didn't just get saved for nothing. You didn't just get saved by chance. You got saved for a purpose. And the purpose for our salvation is that ultimately all of us would become conformed to the image of who? Jesus. That we would all become like Christ in our lives. And so when we go through the stuff we go through, the work of the Spirit as He sustains us, He prays for us, He takes those things and works them for our good because He knows it's according to God's plan that ultimately that all of us will one day become like Him. That's the role of the Spirit in our lives. That's the role of our the Spirit. As we look at this passage and as we consider the new reality of the life we're living right now, let me ask you a couple things. Number one, where's your focus? Where is your focus? What are you focused on? Where 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 are you? 
What's your day like? When, when you get up in the morning, do you, you say to the Lord, Lord, thank you for another day? Or are you thinking about what you want? Where's your focus? Are you longing for what's coming? Which brings me to my next question. Are you living in light of the coming glory? Are you living in light of the coming glory? Is your purpose in the way that you're living your life now, for now, or for later? You know, we just celebrated September 11th this week. Remember September 11th. We wouldn't celebrate that. And on that day, six years ago, people just like you and I went to work. They were worried about what they were going to face when they got home. They were worried about bills that they had to pay. They were worried about life. Maybe a family squabble. Maybe somebody was looking forward to a date or some time with their honey. They didn't know that that day would be their last. What are you living for? Are you living in light of the coming glory? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Nobody here is guaranteed anything. That reality hits home to me. I'm 41 years old. You say, well, yeah, you got a long life ahead of you. But no, you got to understand, my dad was killed at 41. My brother died of a heart attack at 38. Do you think life is precious to me? You better believe it. Probably more so than most 41-year-olds. And I live with the thought daily, who are you living for today, George? For yourself? Are you living for the coming glory? Are you living in light of the coming glory? It's coming. For some of you, it will come sooner than others. It's coming. And then as we anticipate that, the final thing I want you to see is this. Recognize the Spirit's work in your life. Recognize the Spirit's work in your life. Some of you, you're here today and you think you're alone. You think that no one is there to help you face the things that you're facing. Can I be honest with you? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not alone. You are never alone. The Holy Spirit is there with you. With you. And so you and I need to recognize what? The work of the Spirit. The Spirit's work in our lives. In your life. Recognize it. Recognize the Spirit's work in your life. Recognize it. He prays for you when you don't know how to pray. He takes those things that happen in your life that are bad and He uses them ultimately for your good. He's working in your life according to the plan of God so that you're like His Son, Jesus. Recognize it. Embrace it. But you know, so many of us, can I be honest with you, we fight against the Spirit. The Spirit works in our heart. He convicts us. We fight against it. We just want to do our own thing. want to do our own thing. We need to quit wrestling. Quit quenching Him. Quit grieving Him. 
and allow him to do the work that he wants to do in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.